As a follower of Christ, you should always feel challenged to be growing in your faith walk. If you aren't, you might be in danger. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the risk of complacency, of feeling too comfortable in your spiritual journey, or worse, believing that you somehow arrived. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, Growing Strong in Your Faith. Well, friends, we're studying the book of First John. We're in the second chapter, and we're in that passage of Scripture that talks about um, children, young men, and adults applying that to our walk with the Lord spiritually. And we're trying to quantify that, and maybe we're just trying to find ourselves in this, uh, this picture that John has painted for us. We started yesterday. We'll pick up where we left off in just a moment. This is a great time for me to encourage you uh, to be a part of the year-end giving campaign at Turning Point. This is something we only do twice a year. We do it at the end of June. We do it in the month of December. These are the two important giving months for this ministry. And if you would join us in the purpose that we have to reach the world with the gospel, we'd appreciate your support. Your generosity at the end of the year means so much and guarantees that we can go into the new year with our hands up high in victory, ready to accept the challenges that God gives to us. I was preaching this week about open doors, and uh, God has opened a lot of doors for Turning Point, but we got to make sure we're prepared to walk through them, and you help us do that with your giving. When you send your gift, be sure to ask for your copy of the Leather Devotional, Every Day with Jesus. It will come to you shrink-wrapped. It's beautiful. It is really soft to the touch. The leather is unbelievable. It's tan and blue this year with with silver lettering on the front. Every page has a devotional. There's a lot of color in the book. You'll want to have this for yourself. And uh, by the way, when you go to our website and look, you will find there's ways for you to get a bundle of these. A lot of our friends now have started giving these away at Christmas time. You can get a whole bunch of them if you want to. Just go there and look. Well, let's, let's get started with part two of Growing Strong in Your Faith. He comes now to his second category. He's talked, first of all, about infancy in the church, infancy in the congregation. Now we're going to kind of take this a little bit out of order as the way it is in the text so we can take it in chronological order. Let's talk about the young men. As little children, we're known for our fellowship. But as young men, we are known for our fighting. And I mean that in a good and positive sense. Notice verses 13 and 14 in the middle of the verses. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now let's talk about the special privilege of the young men in the family of God. What is that? Well, their special privilege is they're young and virile and strong and they overcome The young men are busily involved in the battle of Christian living. As you get to a place where you're no longer a spiritual babe and you move into the next phase of your life as a Christian, you discover the wars that you fight as a believer. You begin to get involved in the issues of temptation and purity. The Christian life is not just enjoying fellowship and forgiveness. It's also about fighting the war. The forgiveness of past sins has got to be followed by deliverance of present sins. And justification is always followed by sanctification. It is in the early years of manhood that the decisive battles of life are faced and they're either won or they're lost. That's true for all of us chronologically, but it's especially true in the church. It is during that time that we have all these conflicts between the spirit and the flesh 
And it is a very intense war. When the heat of passions is most intense and the outcome of the struggle will be reflected in our lives from that moment on. No wonder Paul wrote to young Timothy, and I think he was thinking both spiritually and physically when he wrote this word, 2 Timothy 2.22, he says, Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness. And Peter said the same thing, Beloved, I beg of you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. I find it really interesting that when I tell people we're at war as believers, they look at me with a blank stare. You know, I'm not at war. My friend, if you aren't at war... (laughs) You may not even be a Christian. I don't think it's possible to be a believer and not be at war in your heart. There is an enemy out there who's trying to destroy you. There's an old nature that didn't get eradicated when you were saved that's in there trying to undermine everything that God does. So one of the positive signs that you're a believer is that you're going through some of this struggle. And you don't need to be comfortable being in the struggle, but be aware that you're always going to have one until you get to glory. You're going to win most of the battles as you grow along, but you're going to have some struggles. I have them. You have them. We all have them. So Paul is saying, you start out as a baby, enamored with forgiveness, and then you become a young man, and now you're involved in the wars of the Christian faith. The special privilege is young man is overcoming, and the special purpose for young men is to know the word. Now, how do you fight the war? You just don't go out in your own strength. If you do that, you're not going to be victorious. You're going to be a victim. You will not be a champion. You'll be a casualty. (laughs) If you fight in your own strength. But notice how carefully John has preserved for us this truth. Go back and read again what it says. I write to you, young man, because you have overcome the wicked one. Now the second time he says, I have written to you, young man, because you are strong and the word of God is in you. So how do you overcome the wicked one? You overcome the wicked one who is Satan through God's holy word. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, these young men are strong in the word of God because the word of God is strong in them. You don't get strong in the word of God by bringing your Bible to church. It doesn't work. Or throwing it on the back of your seat until next Sunday. You get strong in the word by letting the word abide in you richly and begin to develop some resources in the word of God. I wrote down just two or three things I want to remind you guys of, and this is true for us both physically and spiritually. The Word of God is the young man's source of strength. Did you know that? Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. What is solid food? It's the meat of the Word of God. If you're still on John 3, 16, you probably aren't on the meat of the Word. Now, John 3, 16 is a meaty passage. But it's usually the first passage everybody remembers. And if you aren't past that, you haven't yet gotten off the milk. You're still on pablum. You're still on formula. So what the Word of God says is that the Word of God becomes your source of strength. It's the solid food that you take into your life. Secondly, the Word of God is the young man's secret of purity. How do you stay pure in a world where you're always at war? Notice Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11, how pointed these verses are. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wow. That's it. And then the word of God is not only our source of strength and our secret of purity, but in this passage we find out it's our sword of the spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians six seventeen, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what, class? Word of God. Now, it's not... Logos word, it's rhema word. 
Do you know what that means? Rhema is the word you speak out of your mouth based upon what you learn from the scripture. And this is what it says. That you speak out of your mouth the words that are in the scripture. Let me give you an illustration. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was being tempted by Satan? Matthew 4, if you want to look it up. But uh, Satan took him out of the wilderness and began to tempt him. And the Bible says that when he was tempted by Satan, Jesus said, it is written. And he spoke a passage from the Old Testament into that situation that gave him victory. Three times he did that. And I remember the first time I looked this up to find out where those passages came from the Old Testament. You know where they came from, class? From Deuteronomy. When was the last time you did your devotions in Deuteronomy? Well, Jesus knew there were passages in Deuteronomy that would be effective. And he used the word of God. And I love the end of that passage. It says, and the devil left him alone and went away. You know how to use the sword of the spirit in your growth as a young Christian? You take God's word and you learn the word and you learn how to apply it to every situation in your life. You build some armories of verses and scriptures so that when the enemy comes and you're fighting that war in your growth maturity pattern, you begin to know that God's word speaks to that issue and you know what God's word says or you can find it and you use the word of God as a sword of the spirit against the enemy of your life. That's what the scripture teaches. John says sometimes we're little children and all we can talk about is I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, that's great. I've got fellowship, that's wonderful. But if you hang around long enough, you're gonna get into a war. And the war will be determined on the basis of whether or not you are strong in the word of God. That's the special purpose of young men. Now, what's the special problem for young men? Notice, the special problem for young men is the wicked one. In both messages to young men, we are told that they have overcome the wicked one. Now, pray tell, who could that be? Who is the wicked one? He is none other than Satan. In fact, in our Lord's prayer, John 17, he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. The evil one is Satan. Here's what John is teaching us, and I think this is profound because I found it to be true in my own life. You go through the first stage of coming to know Christ, and you're overwhelmed with the joy of it. You get into phase number two, and you're a young person as a Christian, and all of a sudden you begin to have all of these challenges. One of the first ones usually is the assurance of your salvation. How do I know I'm sure? Satan begins to sow doubts in your mind. The evil one does everything within his power to try to take you away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus in your faith. And if you don't take the word of God as the sword of the spirit, you will become overwhelmed and discouraged. And many people who got into that situation and weren't prepared for the issues that they were going to face, and so they kind of stalled out at this point in their life, and they never go further. The wicked one. The Bible says the devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you know what he wants to devour? He wants to devour your testimony, your influence, and your joy. And he will do it. With all of his might. Here's the key to the conquest. You are strong in the strength that is yours because the word of God is at home in you. And that's where you start. That's why discipleship is so important. Let me just stop here and make a point. My friend, if you're stalled and you're not growing, you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. Because there are hundreds of opportunities out there just waiting And if they knew you needed help, they'd be on your doorstep. You need to go and say, I need to get in a Bible study. I need to get started in discipleship. I want to be in the new members class. I want to be in the new believers class. There's always some place for you to get involved to build the strength of your life. And if you don't do that, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. 
The enemy is going to come and be victorious. Now let's go on to the third category. As little children, we're known for our fellowship. As young men, we're known for our fighting. Now thirdly, as fathers, we're known for our faithfulness. And I love this passage of scripture. 1 John 2, 13a and 14a, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. What is the special privilege of the father? Now, he's talking here about somebody who's been in the faith. They started out as a child. They went through the youth stage, and now they're mature. They're the mature Christians in the church. What is their special privilege? Well, it's their experience. They've already been through the fights. They've already seen some victories and some defeats. They already know what's going to happen. And so when you get to that place, that experience is wonderful to know that you know. The fathers can look back over a long life of experience of following Jesus Christ And one thing they know for sure, he's been faithful because he's never failed anyone. And they can pull up out of their experiences where God has walked them through the tight places and they can use that experience as confidence for whatever they face in the future. If God has been with me like this in the past, won't he be like that for me now? Absolutely. You know what maturity is? Maturity is moving from soft skin and a tough heart to tough skin and a soft heart. That's pretty good, isn't it? Maturity is moving from soft skin and a tough heart to tough skin and a soft heart. And the beauty of being mature in the faith and having walked with the Lord for a number of years is the fact that you can look back over your shoulder and realize that God has never failed you. He's always been with you and it brings great confidence to your heart and you can be filled with joy because the God you serve is a God who never fails. Now, what's the special purpose of the fathers? They're to be faithful. The little children know him as father. The fathers have come to know him as he that is from the beginning. He is the immutable God who does not change as men change over the years, and you get to know him and his faithfulness. You know, time just goes on and hurries as we get older. Time goes faster. That's what they tell me, and I think that's true. But isn't it interesting that we serve a God who never changes? Psalm 90 says it this way, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And Malachi says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. There are many in our churches who are bent with the weight of years whose Christian experience is still in the kindergarten. What a tragedy that is, and what a joy it is to see it the other way. And thank God for the many godly men and women we have whose hair is as white as mine and who have walked with the Lord for many years and are still faithful to him through the ups and downs and difficulties of life. That's the goal. You don't want to be a children all your life. You don't want to stay in the youth thing all your life. You want to grow to maturity so that you become one of the mature people in the church and in your walk with the Lord. What's the special problem for fathers? Here it is. It's complacency, isn't it? You know, there aren't any plateaus in the Christian life. Did you know that? If you think you've arrived, you haven't. You have not. You have to get to the place where you understand that no matter how much you've grown or what maturity you have in Christ, you can never get comfortable with that. You always need to be going forward. I think about Paul, who was one of the great saints who ever walked on this earth. In his last letter he wrote, One of his last letters, he said, I do not count myself to have arrived, 
but I press forward for the call of God in Christ Jesus. There always needs to be a little bit of discomfort in our hearts, no matter who we are, where we are, as we walk with the Lord, that there's still more for us to learn and to go forward. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It's very easy to fall. Now, as we bring all of this to a conclusion, I want to try to make it as practical as I can before we say our final amen here. And I want to just give you four words that I think you need to be aware of that will help all of us kind of get in the comfort zone. Because when you do this, if you're not careful, you can just feel awful guilty and why am I not where I should be and all that. No, no, that's not it. It's about where you are and about how God wants you to move forward. Somebody said it this way, God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. (laughs) Amen? And that's the way it should be for all of us. God loves us as we are. If you're in the child phase, that's all right. God loves you as you are. But he doesn't want you to stay there. Do you think my friend in Van Wert, Ohio, would have given every dime he had if he could have caused his little girl to mature and become normal? You bet he would. That's the heart Almighty God has for all of us. He doesn't want us to stay in the infancy stage. He wants us to grow up and become mature in Christ. Let me just say a word about pursuing. Spiritual growth is proactivity. It is not incidental. It is not natural. It requires your attention and your willing participation. You say, well, if I'm already born into God's family, won't I just grow? Uh Uh-uh. Because you can't grow without food. You can't grow without exercise. You can't grow without discipline. All of those take some initiative on your part. You need to exercise yourself to godliness. So if you think this is just going to happen naturally, I want to tell you it doesn't. And I had to come to that in my own life, and I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. And then I want to talk to you about a word of patience. Spiritual growth is a lifelong process. The war is long and the battles are many. Don't let one battle discourage you. A word about persistence. Don't let the lost battles keep you from winning the war. Satan will always have two strategies for you as you fight the growth cycle. Number one, first of all, he'll tell you you can't go there. And once you get there, he'll tell you you can't stay. He will try to discourage you from taking the next step of growth. And once you take that step, He will tell you, well, it's just a matter of time until you're not going to be here anymore. Don't you let him do that to you. Don't you let one battle that you lose. I used to think, well, if I miss one day reading the Bible, man, i got to repent with sackcloth. You know what I do now? I understand that my God is a father. And I just say, Father, I don't know what happened yesterday. I thought I had this all together, and it didn't happen the way I wanted to. But I love you, and I'm going to pick up where I left off and go forward. Satan wants you to get so depressed over your failures that you can never have success. That's one of his great strategies. A word about patience and persistence. And then a word about priority. Your spiritual growth is your most important pursuit as a believer. God loves you so much that he wants to take you to the place where you're going to have the greatest joy. 1 Timothy says, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable in all things having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And 1 Timothy 4.16, when Paul was writing to young Timothy, listen to this, and I have this emblazoned in my heart because I'm in the ministry as Timothy was. This is what he said. He said, Timothy, take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself and then to your doctrine. Well, I'll tell you what, that is something that ought to guide every one of us who serve the Lord in ministry. Before you prepare your message, before you prepare your song, before you prepare your Sunday school lesson, you better prepare yourself. And the way you prepare yourself is you get before the Lord and you read his word and you confess your sin and you deal with your own heart. 
Because no matter how hard you work to prepare a message, if it comes through a dirty vessel, God can't use it. And every day when I go into my office, there's this temptation I have. Man, I'm all excited about my message and I want to get into my books and start studying. And I hear this voice in the back of my head. Take heed to yourself and then to your doctrine. Make sure, you make sure that you are where you ought to be and where God wants you to be so that God can use you in the way he wants to use you. Somebody asked me the other day, what's the most important thing you ever did in your walk with the Lord to help you grow? And I don't have any question about that. I'm going to tell you about it. Since I discovered I had cancer back in 1994, I have developed this discipline of journaling. And you've heard me tell the story that I never journaled before because I thought it was for women and mystics. And since, since I wasn't a woman or a mystic, I wasn't going to do it. And then I heard a tape and read a book by Gordon MacDonald in which he said he journaled in his computer. And that sounded real macho to me. So I thought, you know, if that was something I could do, I would do that. So I got my computer out and I started kind of, and here's what it is. I don't know how profound this is to you folks, but I just want to share it with you. It became kind of a record of my journey with God. It helped me get specific about my life. It helped me get specific in my prayers. I took out all the pages of my journal, which I should organize a lot better, but I do it and then I print it out and I just stick it on a shelf. I still have the prayers I cried out to God when I found out I was sick. I can't read those because they're so emotional and personal. But I want to tell you something, friends. If you want to get serious about getting out of childhood and into young men's status or out of young men into maturity, one of the best things you can do is get yourself a spiral notebook and begin to take note of what God is doing in your life. You say, Pastor, what do I put in that? Put your observations about what's going on. I sometimes just come in and sit down, turn the computer on, and I unload on God. Did you ever do that? Lord God, before I do anything else, here's the first 10 things that you've got to understand about where I am right now. And I do it, and that's why you're never going to read my journal. I'll tell you that's true. <laughs> I told Donna last night, if I die, shred it. All right. <laughs> you know, I love you people so much. I want you to grow. I want you to go on and know what God wants for your life. Some of you are settling for so little when God wants to give you so much. And he's just waiting for you to take the next step. And he'll meet you more than halfway and help you go on to maturity. Amen, amen. What a motivational passage of scripture to keep us moving forward with um, forward looking and forward growing and learning and never getting satisfied. You know, the, the Bible teaches us that God blesses us not so much for our righteousness, but for our hunger for righteousness. I've always thought this very interesting. If only way we can bless us is because we're righteous, we won't be blessed much because that's probably, um, that's a relative thing. We need to be righteous, absolutely. But God honors hunger for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So growing is all a matter of um, motivation, following that motivation in your life. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to talk about loving the world. This is in contrast to what we have been discussing so very prevalent to where we are today in our culture. So don't miss tomorrow and Friday, First John 2, 15 through 17. Read it ahead of time and come prepared to learn from the book of First John. Friends, uh, we're going to the Holy Land, as you know, and I, I want to just keep telling you about this during December because after December, 
Um, we'll have a little more promotion in January, but uh, the, as I mentioned the other day, the walls are closing in on the registration for our Holy Land tour. It's March 22nd through April 1st. Uh, Don and I will be leading this tour throughout the Holy Land. It will be a wonderful time, and uh, we sure would love for you to come with us. You can find out all about it by going to our website, download the information, and process it, make your decision, plan to join us uh, after the turn of the new year as we head to this wonderful place. And then don't forget, during the month of December, when you send a gift, we have a beautiful devotional guide to send you. It's leather, hand-sewn, beautiful color, gilded pages, and most of all, content to help you get started every day. When you send a gift of any size, simply ask for your copy of Every Day with Jesus. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that, and thank you for your generous gift at the end of the year. We'll see you next time. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. To let us know how God is using Turning Point to deepen your faith, write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's encouraging new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Living in the Light here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Back again this year, the home for Christmas Channel from David Jeremiah and Turning Point Ministries. Fill your season with all your favorite holiday traditions, music, carols, laughter, scripture, pageants, inspirational Bible teaching, and more. Start streaming your Christmas favorites and discover new ones completely free. And enjoy the home for Christmas channel at home, in the car, or anywhere you need a little Christmas. Visit turningpoint.tv to start streaming today. That's turningpoint.tv. Novelist John A. Shedd made an observation about sailing ships that applies also to people. A ship in harbor is safe, he wrote, but that is not what ships are built for. How foolish it would be to spend money and creativity designing a beautiful ship only to leave it anchored safely in the harbor. 
And just as ships are for sailing, so men and women are for stewardship, being managers and servants of our Creator God. Any human being not in a relationship with God and serving Him to accomplish His will is like a beautiful ship that never sails the seas. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover true fulfillment as a steward of God on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.